When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Vegas number is for the uh, over under on total minutes spent debating Teddy versus Case on the Monday morning Mackie and Judd marathon. Oh, you're very funny. That's very funny. We're going to get to it right away, fellas, or are we going to make them wait? You know, Kenny, uh, I think the receiver should all have their hands cut off for not helping Teddy yesterday. That ball was catchable, Phil. You should have caught that. I agree 100%. Teddy looked great yesterday. You can touch it, you can catch it. Kenny, did you see the handoff form? It was flawless handoff form. It was amazing. (laughs) With the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? You know, ordinarily we would start with a little Vikings highlight montage, get into our thoughts on yesterday's game, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Probably the last time I'm going to talk to y'all this year. Um, I just, it pains my heart so much to uh, to cry for y'all, even though we're all grown men here. Uh, the season was over, basically, when Rodgers got hurt. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, this whole, when Rodgers comes back, we can run the table. That was kind of fun to think about. But it's been a weird year, and I don't think any of us really thought that we were going to actually do anything with this defense, not being as good, and plus all the injuries. Rodgers basically had to be perfect today for us to even have a chance to win. And him underthrowing people and kind of getting happy feet in the pocket when it started to collapse, that's not gonna that's not gonna do well for us. Go, Matt, go. Brody, how are we looking? What's going on? Hello. Yeah. Hello, Brody. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. Well, I I just can't help after watching the game feel feel sad for what's going on right now. You know, we've had. All, all this success and stuff, and now you look at Aaron and he just—he just looks sad, and it kind of makes me sad. And I, I, I kind of feel like that's affecting his play. Is that what you guys think? That because he's sad. Go, Matt, go. Steve, how you doing? Hey, Steve. Or hey, Bill. I'm. I'm You're a Steve. On the way. I, there you go. I am Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, courtesy of our friends on the fan in Milwaukee, it's Packer Ventline. If you are a youth forming a band in Green Bay, <laughs> the, your band name has to be I Am Steve. I, I'm Steve. It has to be I, I Am Steve. It would be the perfect band name. <laughs> oh, That man. will never get old. Uh, well, you know what? There's a lot of things off yesterday's Vikings game to get to, and there's plenty more where that Packer Ventline came from, so stay tuned. Between now and 1 o'clock, we will sprinkle it in throughout the entire show. Bridgewater is going to be a big, he came back, and there's a, there's a talker there. Can I bring to you, though, Case Keenum's numbers extrapolated to 16 games. If you took the, whatever it's been for him, uh, 13 games played in, I think, this year. 
because he's played in all but one game. Yeah. Uh, so 13 yes. games played, and if you extrapolate that out start to the Chicago game, yes, the 16 games. Mm-hmm. Case Keenum has almost the exact same stat line as Rich Gannon had, mm-hmm. MVP of the league. Oakland Raiders Super Bowl team from 2002. Now they got smoked in the Super Bowl by the Buccaneers. But Case Keenum, a 99 passer rating now, mm-hmm. 4,000 yard pace over 16 games, mm-hmm. up to 68% completions, which is flirting with Drew Brees' territory. Drew Brees is at 71% sure. and is about to break, I think he's going to break Sam Bradford's record from last year. Now, I think. Completion percentage across the league is probably up and up and up, but right. 68% completions yep. on pace over 16 games for 25 touchdowns and nine interceptions, with the exception of Gannon getting a few hundred more yards through the air. They threw the ball more mm-hmm. uh, relative to their to their run plays. It's an MVP-ish stat line in a lot of seasons. He's not going to win the MVP, but it's, He'll be it's definitely five, knocking right? on that door. He's yes. top five? Yes. Top three, possibly. So here, here to me is now the question. Is what you've seen from Case this year a, a a repeat of Randall Cunningham in 98, which was fantastic but was a one-year blip back, or is this something that you say and he, he turns 30 in February of this, of this coming year, or is this something that you now see as a sustainable, he has found it, and, he, and he's that guy? So can I answer that? I don't. That mean, to me becomes the key question. I don't mean to be flippant about my answer here. I don't care because I don't think any of this recipe is fully repeatable going forward. I don't think unless you have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or somebody at quarterback or somebody that you know Ben Roethlisberger that you're just going to win ten games every year, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think from Pat Shermer all the way down to everyone on defense for the most part staying healthy and the entire collective being this good and this gelled and uh, everything going right for you for the most part. I don't think you're going to repeat all of this with the same characters next year. That's not really how the NFL works. Carolina goes 15-1. and They miss the playoffs the next year. Atlanta loses their offensive coordinator. Their quarterback comes back to earth. I'm all in for the next seven weeks or or whatever whatever the timeline is now for the Mm -hmm. next two months on this particular season. I don't know if Case Keenum will still be this next year. I know that he is this right now under these circumstances with these teammates and with this infrastructure. My curiosity rests on, on this. Do do you think, though, that you have found your guy? Because in, I, honestly, in God, a town, I, I, I don't do, know. I, I, do, I, don't I do, know. do care because, because this is a town that has been looking for a quarterback for years and years, and they've thought at times that, that they found one and they have not. So I guess I care in the sense of as I watch this, do I do I think he's doing enough and can repeat what he's doing close enough to be the guy for let's say three years? I think he is a conditions quarterback. I think when condition and there's a lot of those guys. There there are the uh the like I mentioned, the Tom Brady's, the Ben Roethlisberger's, where conditions don't have to be ideal. In mm-hmm. fact, conditions can sometimes be far less than ideal, and they're gonna put up numbers. And then there's the there's the Case Keenum, Alex Smith. There's guys where, like, Alex Smith can lead you to 11 or 12 wins in a regular season if the conditions are right. Mm-hmm. Case Keenum is a conditional quarterback, and that's fine because because the conditions are perfect right now in Minnesota. Yes, Good for him. The conditions are perfect. I mean, like I said, this is almost the exact same stat line over 16 games mm-hmm. as Rich Gannon put up in 2002, and but, he also was a conditionally good quarterback. And But but Gannon, by that time, had, had become good. I mean, you you looked at, at him and said, I it, would take him in, in, in a second sure, at that he, time. I mean, he had he some Hall of very, Fame components He had become him, a yes. very good quarterback. Uh, so, I will say this about the game on Sunday. 
a week ago, a week ago, the Vikings lose to Carolina, and I said to myself, okay, you know what? They did about 10 things wrong. One might concern me. Nine, that they're probably not going to repeat those those mistakes again. I don't care that, that much. It, it's a loss. It's not a great loss. Who cares? I will say the same thing about yesterday's game, which is the Cincinnati Bengals simply did not show up. Now, to the Vikings' credit, they stomped on their throats completely, and that's all that, that they could do. But the Cincinnati Bengals pulled what you see every every once in a while around this time of year, and that is a team. The checkout in this league, when when a team checks out, it is incredible to watch. It's not a it's not a tank. It's not a we sort of don't care. It's a full fledged team wide. Maybe two guys of the fifty three give a damn. Yeah, you could. We were watching in the uh, just in the studio here before Ventline and Superstar pointed out halfway through the first quarter when it was fourteen to nothing. Which okay. You're you're probably going to lose. You're down 14 to nothing, but most teams are still engaged at that point, right? Okay, if we just get a touchdown, let's get back into this thing. And they showed a shot of the sidelines. Yep. It's like they went out of their way with with three different cameramen, and they they took a shot of like 12 or 15 different players or collections <laughs> of players on the sidelines. Yep. And if you would have just jumped in without context and and just looked at those camera shots, not knowing what time of day it was, and just okay, describe what you think is happening in this game. You would have said, "Oh my God, it's." Three minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and they're down 52-3. to three, And they just suffered eight catastrophic injuries. Wait, it's the first quarter, and they all have 1,000-mile mm-hmm. stares on their faces. Mm-hmm. But imagine, and, and Marvin Lewis apparently downplayed this after the game, but ESPN reported that Marvin Lewis at least told somebody behind the scenes this was going to be his final season. It seems like maybe he's going to get out before they push him out after 15 years, no playoff wins. But players are finding out about this on their phones and during the pregame show. Yes, in the so locker room, yes. imagine already being out of the playoff mix. You're on the road. You're playing a team that you know is better than you are. Mm-hmm. And your coach is floating behind the scenes without telling you he's gone. Even he though you probably knew he was going to be gone. Yeah. He checked out, too. Like, he's 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 punting from midfield on fourth and three, down by three touchdowns. Three but timeouts. the Vikings did what they should have done. You're right. Three timeouts late first half. He didn't use one of them. Yeah. He just basically said, last two games outscored 67 to 14. And that's to the Bears, too. So you have scored 14 points and you have given up 67 points in the past two games. Yeah, but if you're the Vikings, this was a perfect remedy coming off of, I'm not going to say a fluke loss to the Panthers because the Panthers are good. They're 10 and 4. They're going to be a playoff team, it looks like. But there were some fluky components to that game that you could have maybe allowed to, to get to you. And you came back and you did exactly what you should do. Mm-hmm. And now they they still have a chance, an outside chance for home field advantage throughout. But it really stung when the Giants beat the Eagles. Yes, or when the uh, Eagles, Eagles beat back. the Giants. And uh, the Giants had the lead a couple times by two touchdowns in that game. But overall, yeah, Packers clinging life support. They're hoping for a Falcons loss tonight. And the Vikings are guaranteed at least one home playoff game. You know, listen, um, what's going on with this defense? I mean, we're going on 10 years now, and um, it seems to be the same problem. And then you go on, and everybody picks on Colin Cowherd about how Aaron Rodgers, you know, could take a step. Would I blame him? No. I wouldn't at this point. He's got no help. We're going on 10 years. Ten years we're going on the same problem. Ten. And we got nothing. We uh, There's just nothing. 
zero, blank, nothing. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. They do, have, they do have a Super Bowl win in that 10-year period, so they, the defense, they have though. that going for them. The defense, though. Ted might want to do something about that defense eventually, someday, or get fired in 20 years. It is <laughs> it is oh, mind-boggling how Ted is untouchable there. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's do this. Let's take a, a slightly early break here because there's so many things to get into off that Vikings game yesterday and just the season going forward here. There are a couple things, you know, the Vikings are in the playoffs now, but I think there's two or three things you should be rooting for now as a Vikings fan on your checklist going forward. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater did come back. He did play snaps, and uh, we can talk about that when we come back. here. Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com at 930. Also, uh, Courtney Cronin, who's a Vikings insider from ESPN.com at 1130, and the superstar Mike Morris. Plus, at some point, we'll get to our football observations where the catch rule struck again in the NFL. It's Mackie and Judd. Prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Bring it on! This is 1500 ESPN. Second and goal. Murray. He's in. Latavius Murray. Touchdown, Vikings. Shotgun for Keenum. Keenum throws. End zone. It's caught by Diggs. Touchdown, Vikings. And that's going to do it for Case Keenum. Teddy Bridgewater is back. Bridgewater. Flip it. A little high. And intercepted. Sean Williams with the pick. It deflected off the hands of McKinnon, who is five foot nine, and that's going to go on Bridgewater's ledger. Yeah, wow, that is just you know what, McKinnon. I'm sorry, you should be benched for the rest of the season. He that should be a, taller. Teddy was was calm in the pocket, very poised. There's a dart over the middle, and Jared you know McKinnon what? bobbles it like a clown. That that pick that pick is on Rick Spielman because you got to draft taller players. You how do. can you five take a small? Nine. I just take a small guy five like that. Nine, huh? How do you yeah. take a small guy like that? Yeah. How, are, how are you going to beat the the Eagles on the road in the playoffs with a 5 foot 9 guy who can't put this, pegs for hands? This goes right to the GM. Ridiculous. Never mind the fact that Jared McKinnon went for like nine catches and 115 yards yesterday. You know once again too though, the thing the thing that that game again is don't take for granted how how well th- this uh, offense is run. Like it's it's become so simple to be like, oh yeah, that play makes sense. That play, this offense. If you go back, just just recall the last I don't know eight years or so, and the amount of times that you've said to yourself, what the hell are they doing offensively? The play calls don't make sense. You're doing this. You're yeah. doing that. If you go through it, we have now gotten to the point where I I think that we just assume things are going to work. Things work because they're really well called. Uh, yeah, they are. It just everything f- seems to flow. Now it didn't flow when when Ted got in there. He handed off for the most part. Uh, three three things off of Teddy Bridgewater coming into that game yesterday. Number one, the only reason why he came in the game is because Case Keenum has been so incredible throughout the last three months and in that game yesterday, to where the Vikings had a thirty-four to nothing lead, and it was definitely the right call to take your starting quarterback out of a thirty-four to nothing game. And it just so happens that your backup. Hasn't played in two years. So mm-hmm. uh, it was the right call to take Case Keenum out, and Bridgewater wouldn't have been able to come in if not for Case Keenum's dominance as this pop-up quarterback the last three months or so. Number two, I think you saw, and this is what we talked about over the the last two months, that if you're going to make that change and bring Teddy in, it's probably going to look bad right away. 
and you're going to have to have a ton of runway. If your goal is to is to get Teddy ramped up, right, which was the conversation in October and November before uh, Case Keenum just solidified himself, it's going to look bad at first. And he dropped back on that first pass, and it's like he saw 30 defenders sure. all flying at him. And it was a per- it was a perfectly curated pocket. Uh, there was really no pressure, and uh, he looks uncomfortable. But that's when you haven't faced a full-speed NFL regular season defense, even one as bad as the Bengals have been. Right. It's going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like driving on the freeway for the first time in two years going 70 miles an hour. You're going to have a death grip on the wheel. And he looked like he had a death grip on the wheel as a quarterback yesterday. On the ball in that case, yes. Um, and the only other thing I would add to the to – the, now that Teddy's back and he's playing, if the Vikings get to Week 17 and they're pretty much locked into that two seed, let's say they win against Green Bay, but the Eagles also win against the Raiders. And so the Eagles have the one seed, the Vikings have the two seed, and there's – Bridgewater probably plays a lot in that Week 17 game. I'm not saying you shouldn't play him, but be mindful of the fact that even if he comes in for an hour, for two quarters, if he looks really good, if he kind of snaps out of it and looks really good, mm-hmm. someone will offer him several million dollars in free agency at the first sign of him looking like his old self. Just be mindful of that if you're the Vikings in Week 17. Yeah, and I, I think if you're this team, what, what you have to be doing is basically basing your, your observations primarily on practices and things, not games. Uh, yeah, and that... <laughs> This is the toughest thing about the the dilemma that the Vikings are going to face. I can't decide who's going who's going to get who's going to uh, hit the market and get more potentially. Bridgewater is going to we'll be Keenum, but Bridgewater is still going to be perceived by teams to have potential. But Keenum is going to get more money. Well, yes, but but what I'm saying is, if the Vikings keep him, is Bridgewater going to get a big deal or a decent deal? Because he is still going to be perceived to have by teams potential, no matter what he shows, because. You know, it's great. It's a great story. He got back in, but nobody's going to take what they saw against uh, C- Cincinnati and take that seriously because it's he's fresh off. You know, be, being out for a year plus. Yeah, so check my Twitter timeline. You might be wrong. Well, they shouldn't be. <laughs> they shouldn't be taking it like that. But but that's the one thing is it's going to be very interesting to see how uh, teams around the league perceive these two guys. But yeah, you cannot take whatever he does in games now. It's nice that he's back in, but you can't sit there and say this is him now. I mean, Case Keenum, You're not even close to that. Case Keenum's and Teddy Bridgewater is going to get some incentive laden contract, like a two year deal or something, maybe even a one year deal. Vikings, whoever whoever winds up giving him a contract, and it's going to have a, a low base. But hey, if you if you start ten games, you get this. If you start sixteen games, you get that. Case Keenum is just flat out going to get a crazy contract, whether it's the Vikings or somebody else. If you're Case Keenum's agent right now, you're looking around the league. You're looking at the Brock Osweiler deal from a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. You're looking at three years, forty-five million for Mike Glennon. I was going to say most Glenn, of that guaranteed in the first year, the but Glennon one comes to mind immediately. And and you're going to go to all these teams that need a quarterback, including the Vikings, and you're going to say my guy runs circles around these two guys mm-hmm. and some of these other quarterbacks. So the bidding starts at three years, forty-five million dollars with. Some chunk of it, you know, twenty million dollars guaranteed. That's where the bidding starts for a Case Keenum. And you know what? Understanding that the current uh, quarterback economic system isn't perfect, that it's mostly it's mostly uh, rookie contracts, or like Case Keenum signed a two million dollar backup deal, mm-hmm. or it's sixteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty five million dollars. There's no middle ground. He's he's for sure going to jump into that franchise money category. 
and he deserves it based on the fact that there is no middle ground. If it's either, well, $2 million again or 20 he deserves the $20 million based on his play this year and based on the quarterback economics. And that's why the key question becomes, is is this is there a large semblance of this play that, that he can repeat for the next two or three years? I don't know. He's done a great job. The play calling's been great. He has been... The thing, the thing about this entire system is it, to me, has used almost every one of, of its components as wisely as possible. That's the thing. When you look at the, the short passing game, the short passing game has been brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Now, if you get Case in, in a system and say, okay, we use the short passing game too, but we're going to want you to go downfield more. Can he succeed consistently in that? I have no clue. That's what makes him such an interesting guy as far as can you can you lift him out of a, a situation where offensively he's been used really really wisely? Can you now plop him in a system where he's the guy, or is he doing so well because of how he's been used? And that's that's going to become the main question. If you're going to give him three years and huge bucks, are you going to trust that that play translates? Yeah, I, honestly, I don't have and, a lot. And of, I think it's. I don't know. I don't have a lot of questions about him anymore. I think I know who he is. He is a conditionally good quarterback, and there's a lot of those. If you were to take Case, and this is not, this is going to sound like a rip. It's not. It's not a rip. All right, let's hear it. If you were to take Case Keenum and put him on, give me a crappy team, and put him on the uh, Browns. Yeah, if, but even like the Browns have some good personnel. They just don't have any competent quarterbacks. But look, here are the Browns. If you were to put Case Keenum on the Browns right now. Mm-hmm. He'd have 10 more interceptions. He'd have uh, a much lower completion percentage because he's not throwing to Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. He would be throwing to inferior receivers. Although Josh Gordon's back now, so uh, so that helps. And Duke Johnson, can, they have actually a pretty good backfield. There's some components in Cleveland, even though they're 0-14 on the season. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't look like this. If you, put, if you put Aaron Rodgers on the Browns, his numbers would slip. But by and large, that team would go from zero wins to six. Yeah, he could win them games. If you yeah. were, if it was a healthy Aaron Rodgers, yes. And and there's and that's not a knock on Case. The, the compliment to Case is he is taking full advantage of a really great situation. Hey. And and if you think that the situation can stay similar going yeah. forward, then Case Keenum's performance will likely stay similar going forward. The compliment to this entire team is they have done a fantastic job, uh, coaching wise, player wise, at at utilizing and executing their strengths. That's a compliment. It's a this is this is not a team that necessarily especially on offense revolves around one guy. This is a team that revolves around a system that works really really well. And that's my point is don't don't just assume oh that success is oh man that that you know week to week that that this team should be this good. Execution wise, this is as good as we've seen in forever. In forever. 2009 was largely based on very nice components and Brett Favre. You tell you tell me the last time that you saw coaching and and on both sides that you saw coaching with with this franchise work this well. The last time that you that you watched games and said this all makes sense. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's it's, it's been up, forever. Yeah, I think everything about this team uh screams among the best in franchise history. In fact, the Vikings PR department just put out this tweet mm-hmm. a few minutes ago. Third down defense in the NFL since 1991, which I think is the first year they tracked third down defense specifically. The Vikings have the second best third down defense 
I take that back. It's actually tied for number one uh, with New Orleans 1991 defense. The Vikings are tied for the best third down defense since they tracked it in 1991. All right. 26% is all opponents are uh, are scratching off against the Vikings on third down. Wow. That's incredible. They're also just a, a tenth of a, of a point behind Jacksonville. Yards per play. Jacksonville is allowing 4.6 yards per play. The Vikings are right there at 4.7. So best defense in the NFC according to uh, yards per play. Bengals 1 for 13 on third down. Yeah. And which then, I, I think uh, came late in the game actually in the third or fourth quarter. Yeah. So yeah, it's been I later on I'd love I'd love to uh, maybe we do this at 10 o'clock because we're gonna get Kevin Seaford on here. If you go back, the Vikings lost to the Lions when they were still trying to figure out Case Keenum and it was in uh late September, early October, they lost to the Lions. Mm-hmm. Since then, if you were to put together like the college football playoff committee sits in a room and they put together resumes. It's not all about record necessarily. They just look at resumes over a chunk of time. Yep, includes eye test. If you were to put together all of the resumes in the NFC since the Vikings lost to the Lions in whatever it was, week four, mm-hmm. I think there's a case to be made that the Vikings are the best team in the NFC. I know the Eagles are going to get the one seed and all that, but we can get into that maybe uh, a little bit later. Kevin Seifert, ESPN.com, on uh, Vikings, on Steelers and pa- Patriots last night. That was incredible. Why wasn't that a Sunday night game? I have no clue. I know that they can't flex it because CBS was going to blow a they whistle on that. It. But when you're looking but, at the schedule yeah. before the season, that's not a Sunday night game? In April. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it was kind of bizarre. All right, we'll talk to Kevin Seifert, Vikings, and we'll go around the league with him next. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. They got to be some tight asses, don't you think? Oh, they take <laughs> it yeah. very seriously. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Better seeing Case uh, leading the champ. Uh, Case is an awesome guy. And, um, you know, to see him standing behind me uh, was just amazing. That was a cool moment. Kevin Seifert, ESPN.com. Uh, and it's 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 so interesting that Case Keenum is one of Teddy Bridgewater's biggest cheerleaders, and there appears, even though there's a bunch of questions about the long-term future of the Vikings' quarterback position, uh, there really are no questions internally in the short term, Kevin. There can't be. You know, I, I can't imagine what the argument would be, um, any along the lines of that. Anything other than Case has to be has to continue being the starter. I, I can't I can't see where that where that would go. Um, and and the interesting thing with Case is that I bet he's been on in the other situation. He's been in Teddy's situation, and maybe he hasn't always felt the support um, that he demonstrated to Teddy yesterday. So I thought that was that had a couple different meanings for me, and, and was 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 very gratifying to see. Nick Foles and Case uh, both ex- examples of exactly why when you go out and get a backup. It's imperative to get a good one, right? Because we we've seen so many teams say, "Well, our guy probably won't get hurt, and Sean Hill's fine." Well, no, he's not. But we do we do see examples of uh, teams that prioritize that spot, and I, I think more and more clubs are going to say that's absolutely something that we need to start doing. Yeah, and there was a, there was a time where people would be worried about whether uh, the having a backup that was too good would threaten uh, would threaten the starter or create an uncomfortable situation in the quarterback room and I think we heard that a little bit and with some of the excuses about why Colin Kaepernick wasn't signed this year um, and ultimately and it goes back to again how wild it is that the random decisions you make in uh, March and April can sometimes be the difference between whether you make the playoffs 
whether you have a top ten draft pick or whether you win the Super Bowl. And nobody, I mean, do you? I don't think too many people remember where they were the moment the Vikings signed Case Keenum. You know, it wasn't that it wasn't quite the momentous moment that it clearly has turned out to be. You know, where they they grabbed a guy who was not highly sought after. Uh, the contract reflected that in terms of the financial terms, and he has got them in as good of a position as any team in the entire league. Um, and you know, I don't know that even the Vikings thought that Case would play this well, but because he has, uh, they are in the position they are today. Usually when we talk about a conference being wide open in the NFL in any given year, it's because there really aren't any top-caliber teams. It's wide open because everyone's 11-5 and five or 10-6. and six. This feels like the opposite, where it's wide open, and it's going to be five or six absolute legitimate teams Whoever winds up shaking out there in those five and six seeds, Kevin, that there's there are going to be six teams that absolutely are Super Bowl caliber, and there's going to be good teams that miss the playoffs in the NFC. I mean, yeah. in a lot of years, uh, you know, I'd imagine maybe the Lions are not going to make it, and a lot of years they would have been very much a playoff team. Um, you know, even the Cowboys when they're now they're getting Ezekiel Elliott back, they could easily end up ten and six and and miss it as well. Um, and so that uh, that that has created a, a very uh, a very interesting field and even and then you look at the top with the Eagles you can't argue that the Eagles are playing their best football right now and oh, that's always the, the usually the recipe for a deep playoff run if teams enter the playoffs uh, playing their best of the year the Eagles were at their best in in the middle of the year you know prior to the Carson Wentz injury I'd imagine and as good as Nick Foles is uh, they have uh, you know that that was a concerning performance in my mind yesterday by them against the Giants uh, in terms of the amount of points they gave up, the big plays they gave up, and how hard they had to work to beat a team that's going to be a top three or four pick in, in the in the draft next year. And so that is all uh, all in play. But overall, there will not be you know, very safe to say there will be no easy outs in the NFC playoffs. Are we going to clean up the catch rule here, or is, is it going to take a Super Bowl game that ends with a correct interpretation and a right call, but the rest of us look and say, this makes no sense, but before we, we finally have uh, the, the folks at the league sit down and say, we're going to have to change this a little bit, tweak it a little bit, if nothing else. I, I mean, I, I feel like we've been here so much, though. I mean, Steelers fans right now are feeling the same way Lions fans did and you know, seven years ago with the Calvin Johnson rule, and and the same way Cowboys fans uh, felt uh, a few years ago with Des Bryant in the playoffs. And so it's already impacted you know, America's team in, in a playoff game, and so that, and that didn't prompt a change. Uh, they have actually looked at it repeatedly, um, and not, while not claiming that the current rule is perfect by any stretch of the imagination, they have not identified an alternative, and so that's always the, 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 the catch. I mean, it's great to say that something doesn't, doesn't work right, but what's better? You know, what can they do to make it objectively better and, and, and not just do something to be responsive to people who are, who are upset with a particular call or a particular situation? The, the NFL and, and the people who deal with this on a, on a minute, you know, microscopic level, the officiating people, the competition committee, the football administration people have looked at it come up gotten all the suggestions all the alternatives and felt that any significant change to the catch rule would open up the door for for more chaos not less and so right now you know whether you buy that or not right now they have chosen to have a handful of of catches and 
and, and just take their chances that they won't be in the Super Bowl, you know, fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, but a handful of catches that uh, plays that pass the eye test and tell you that this should be a catch and end up because of the way the rule is written being incomplete. They've taken that trade off uh, for in exchange for having what they think is clarity on what a catch is and isn't, uh, which sounds funny, but that is the way the NFL views it. And they don't have not been able to agree on anything that they feel would would create a, a smoother or a more defined process than they currently have. By the way, there was, and this won't get talked about a lot today because the the catch rule and whether it should be tweaked will be the the main headline. Uh, but that was an amazing game last night. If Antonio Brown plays the second half, who knows what the what yeah. the outcome would have been. But I will say there was some symbolism there at the end, Kevin, where the Patriots for 15 years have always had the break that goes their way, whether it was the tuck rule or the catch rule or whatever it may be. And the Steelers still had permission after that play was over to score a touchdown, to run another yeah. play or two. And yeah. instead... Uh, here's the other piece of symbolism. The Steelers fire a round off into their foot, and that's part of the reason why they can't beat the, uh, the Patriots. Yeah, and, that, and, that, and you're right. And the play that happened two plays after where you know, the interception is getting largely swallowed up in the whole catch rule discussion. But you know, it looked like they were trying to clock it, and then maybe Ben Roethlisberger, despite what he said, came up with the idea of like, making a signal to Eli Rodgers and we'll see if we can trick them and, 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 and throw that slant. Uh, which is fine, you know, but don't throw it into quadruple coverage. I mean, they, the play wasn't there. You know, they, they, Ben Roethlisberger totally just choked on that play. And, and I guess you can put it any which way you want, but, and he's been a great quarterback and probably going to the Hall of Fame and he's won, he's won Super Bowls, but he choked in that moment. All he had to do was throw it away and, and, yep. and go at it again. And so that ultimately, you know, it's not fair that, that uh, well, I don't want to say it's not fair, but it's it, it really it really stinks if you're a Steelers fan or the Steelers that that Jesse James play didn't wind up being a touchdown. But those were the rules, and uh, the panic that ensued afterwards is just not emblematic of a Super Bowl team playing at home. And so that uh, that was a deserved win by the Patriots in my mind. Boys, a stat I I heard incredible Brady's pick in in the game was his first in 12 years against that team. Yeah. He hadn't thrown a pick in 12 years against Pittsburgh. If you think right. about the times they, they've played, that is remarkable. And just and just speaks to his uh to 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 the way a you know an elite, you know, the best quarterback plays uh against the best teams and that's the outcomes you get and that's why the Patriots have always dominated the Steelers. And so that that speaks to it right there, I'd say. Uh, it might be Kevin Seifert, ESPN.com. might be somewhat easy for Vikings fans to dismiss the Rams to some degree because when those two teams matched up, the Vikings absolutely put a vice on that Rams offense a few weeks ago. But to watch them go into Seattle, yeah. and yes, it's not the same Seattle team. It's, it's a banged-up defense, but they absolutely destroyed one of the best franchises in the NFL the last six years in their own home to put their stamp back on the uh, NFC playoff bracket. Yeah, that you know, and maybe maybe we shouldn't have been caught by surprise, but that was arguably the most stunning uh, outcome of the season. You know, I picked the Seahawks. I wouldn't have like fought you in you know in in a in a boxing ring to if you wanted to say that. That'd be fun uh, to see, Kevin. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I, my fighting days are over. <laughs> I, I, I would. I would. For many reasons, I would have. For many reasons, uh, declined to fight anyone who thought that uh, that the Rams might win because that's not you know not unreasonable. Good team, you know. Seahawks have struggled, have a lot of injuries, and 
are not the same invincible team that uh, they have been, even at home. But I, you know, I thought the Seahawks would win, and, and it was from the moment that game started, the Rams just just jumped them, and that that the level of beatdown that occurred was is one of the most stunning things I've seen this season in a season of stunners, and so that is interesting, and it reminds you that you know. We've all seen situations where teams, uh, the rematch in the playoffs are not the same as what happened in the regular season. And uh, the Rams, despite what many of us thought, were not a team that just caught people by surprise and had some funky offensive plays that that, that people would need to get used to. It, it, they have they have sustained it for most of the year. Even the Eagles game, you know, they were they very much had a chance to win. They've already beat the. The Saints, I believe, at, at home, and so that um, this, this is a this is a team again. No easy outs in the NFC, and um, this is a team that will be that would that would give you certainly every uh, run for your money possible um, if you were to, to to meet them in a game that would decide who goes to the Super Bowl. Uh, one last Vikings question for you. This is since 1998. This is the Vikings have had really one golden chance to go to the Super Bowl since 1998, and it was the 09 Favre team. Do you think this team is better than the 09 Favre team? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, you know, is Case Keenan playing as well as Favre did that year? No. Um, but I think the defense is better than any part of that 2009 team, uh, without a doubt. Um, and that will be especially valuable uh, in the playoffs. If you can, you know, usually, often in playoffs, great defenses beat the great offenses. And so if you have what the Vikings have put together and it stays healthy and they keep chugging along the way they are, that is uh, the most valuable weapon you can have other than maybe a quarterback playing out of his mind, which is pretty close to what the Vikings already have with Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think there's too much comparison between those two teams. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin Seifert. Bye, Kevin. Okay, guys. All right, bye-bye. Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com. Uh, he didn't... He he's he's one of the best football analysts I've ever known, and you've worked with him closely. What he just said about this year's team compared to the 09 team, he didn't just say, yeah, this is a better team than the 09 team. He said there is no comparison. There's a major difference, too. There's a one huge difference. Should we talk about that difference when we come back? Sure, why not? Cool. All right. Uh, before we go anywhere, I am a huge, huge backer and a huge proponent of the Chris Lindahl team. Um, which helped me sell my condo in record time. I, I thought, oh, man, you know, this thing, maybe this is going to be on the market for several weeks. In fact, I had, um, we had a timing issue, and this this happens when you're trying to sell your home. We were given uh, a certain date for uh, for our new place of residence, and the window was small, and I was worried we were going to have to double up on mortgage and rent for like two months with the expert marketing and with all hands on deck, which is what you're going to get if you work with the Chris Lindahl team, and you get uh, probably the best Rolodex, so to speak, in terms of uh, marketing network in the Twin Cities, maybe even in the country for selling your home. They help bail me out of a potential jam by getting a full-priced offer within three hours for top, top dollar. Uh, get the same experience I had, chrislindahl.com, that's Chris with a K, or 763-401-SOLD. The Chris Lindahl team, number one Remax results team. Mackie and Judd now continue. Stand aside, everyone. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Hobbling around on busted knees, they're the Vikings quarterbacks. 
First it's Teddy, then Sammy B, and don't forget the running back. Hobbling around on busted knees, but we've got case to fill the hole. It's hard to believe, but there's still a chance of playing in the Super Bowl. Packer fans have got that jealous feeling, cause they see how much their team sucks without Rodgers. All they have is Brett Hundley hobbling around on busted knees. You'd think that we'd be screwed. But Spielman and Zim built a damn good team, and you'll see us in 52. Keenum down the middle, he goes, and in the end zone, and is caught by Rudolph for the touchdown. Keenum sets it up near side, and the slot is good for a touchdown, it's right. Keenum keeps it, looking for a block, touchdown, Minnesota. Keenum, gonna dump it off, it's a touchdown to the backup tight end, Morgan. Packer fans have got that jealous feeling Cause they see How much their team sucks without Rodgers All they have is Brett Hundley Hobbling around on busted knees You'd think that we'd be screwed But Spielman and Zim built a damn good team And you'll see us in 52 Songs by the U-Log. It's that time of season, gentlemen. Hobbling around successfully is the key there. Uh, it is, yes. We will uh, probably unveil another song by the U-Log tomorrow on tomorrow's show. Um, maybe today. I guess we could. Why yeah, not we, today, we, we Phil? Could, we could do one today. They, they keep coming. Well, why you have to try to hide them from the people. Well, you're in a great mood today, Dave Harrigan. All I the just way want, from the morning I want to be in the Christmas spirit. Uh, he's, defending, he's salty today for no reason. Vikings he's is defending Case. I'm trying he to be in the Christmas Teddy. spirit. He, he hates Teddy, and he's defending Case. I don't hate Teddy. You don't like him, I can I tell. I wish he would have gone after that guy who picked the ball off. All right, Case is a gamer. He yeah, throws actually, interceptions. He, he goes and makes didn't. a tackle. Yeah, he does. That's true. Teddy sulks. Are we going to get a film review on that this week? <laughs> yeah, we haven't had one in a couple weeks, have we? That's right. <laughs> They've been too good. We haven't, had one in, we haven't had one in like a month and a half. I know. The team keeps Andy winning. the Assassin. Come on. He keeps doing things. You could do film review of Andy the Assassin. <laughs> so uh, Seifert was very adamant saying he thinks there's no comparison between this team and the 2009 team. Mm-hmm. I think there's no comparison between the defenses, but the credit to this team is that you could put it Brett Favre was better, but this offense overall is probably better than that one and more versatile and maybe harder to pinpoint what they're going to do or who's going to get the ball on any given play. Uh, it was, for the 9 team, it was Brett Favre and Adrian Peterson, right? And uh, you knew that Peterson was going to get like 20 handoffs a game, and it was a little yes. bit more predictable even though Sydney Wright, it was hard to stop Brett them. Favre, Peterson, and a defensive front that was fantastic. Yeah, uh, But here, here to me is the biggest difference. The biggest difference is the 2018 made the playoffs and was a nice team. And you said going into training camp, if they can get a quarterback, they're going to be really, really good. And they did, and they got a quarterback that basically could could serve as QB coordinator. He did everything. I mean, he clearly got suggestions, but Brett Favre knew that, that West Coast offense inside out. So the biggest difference to me is the defense, of course, is, is fantastic now in all three spots. But the other thing is coaching. The other thing is, if you look at it, offensively in 09, you said to yourself, Favre's outstanding and Favre is orchestrating most of this. You don't say that now. 
you say Shermer's been great, Zimmer's been fantastic. So, so what I see being different here, and and why I would have, I think, more faith in the playoffs is trust. Because you always thought to yourself, okay, in 09, if you get into a big playoff game, it's still Brett. And at that point, Brett ran things, and Brett had the potential, as, as we had seen a couple years before with the Packers, to when it got to be pressure time to, to melt down. So I would say the biggest difference to me is coaching and the trust that that coaching gives you. I don't, I don't think I would put quarterback in the, in the trust category for, I think both Favre and Keenum, there's a little bit of a, oh my God, like this is fun, but both of them could go rogue at any given time. The trust factor lies with if you get into a situation where you just need a stop in the second half. You know what? We're up by three here. Just took a late lead, and Drew Brees or Russell Wilson, they get they get the ball one last time. Mm-hmm. You didn't feel great about, and, and as it played out, you shouldn't have because both the 98 team and the 09 team wound up giving up that drive in overtime that led to the field goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, this team, there's... There's much there's there's a much greater chance that they can put their stamp on the end of a game and say, all right, you got one drive, you're not going to get past the 50 yard line. You don't have to worry about a 60 yard in 45 seconds with one timeout drive to steal the game away from you. L- far less likely against this defense than the 09 defense. I am much more confident that uh, in the pressure of a big game, now Case could melt down, but I am much more confident in the pressure of a big game offensively that you wouldn't have an extra fullback go on the field. That I can't tell you how many people told me that 09, 12 men and Favre got got in there and they got the flag. I can't tell you how many people went back and said it was chaos down there. The sideline was complete chaos. And people were, and people multiple were going, people in the headsets, And people right? were going crazy, and Childress was like just yelling in and, and wound so tight. And that's big, that because that sets a tone. I think this is different. I have confidence. It seems to me, it's not that Zim can't get wound tight. I think he can, but I think you've got a coordinator here who seem, who strikes me as being really calm, which is good. So there are elements of this team that I look at not just personnel-wise, but coaching-wise, and I say, I have more faith here. If you go back and watch 9 the fact that they had 12 men surprises you. It doesn't really shock you. There were things that, that transpired that year where you said to yourself, I wonder. So that's my big thing. I just I think this is a better team, and I think it's a better team in a lot of places. Um, I, I think this team would beat the 09 team. Said that a few weeks ago. Oh, Feel even more strongly about that right now. I think they beat the 98 team because of their defense. Yeah. I really do. I think that they would. What they did against the Rams is huge. Go back and watch that Rams game. Jared Goff hated playing that game. If you could take the quarterback's will to play and basically make him say, oh, crap, not again, it's enormous. I Matt, do think Matt Sean, Ryan hated playing that game. I do think Sean McVay is he seems like a really innovative young coach. He just that feels like a a 20 to 30 year run as a top head coach in the NFL cuz he's 31 or 32 years old. Um it's been one season so we'll see. I mean so Mike Martz kind of came in hot and then and then flamed out too, but I don't think you're going to get the same if you face the Rams again at US Bank Stadium is where the game would likely be played here. Um I don't think you're going to see the same 7 point performance. So you better be ready for a better punch from the Rams. Sure. In fact, the NFC playoff bracket feels a lot like the last four-ish team standing in the Major League Baseball playoffs where you had Dodgers, Astros, that Yankees lineup. 
You had the Nationals in there at one point with Bryce Harper and Max Scherzer. It just feels like, and the Cubs, any combination of teams could come out, and it doesn't mean that you failed necessarily and and you weren't good enough. The Vikings are good enough to win a Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. they're going to get into a coin flip game against the Eagles or the Rams, and it's going to be difficult. But for the first time in, in a long, long time, they're going to go into to that game with their calling card being defense, not offense, which is, to me, a, a really positive change. Meanwhile, go, Brad, go. I'm just wondering if you think Brett Hundley could have won a few more games if he chewed less bubblegum. <laughs> I don't think bubblegum. You know, Cam chews bubblegum. Do you notice that? <laughs> He's right up there with Pete Carroll. Well, Pete Carroll chews bubblegum. Those are guys. I don't think there's a correlation between success or lack thereof in bubblegum. It just seems like it, it, it distracted him enough. I know that. I think he's on to something. Uh, yo, too, oh, I think he's too, definitely on something. Too distracted. We can open up phone lines, too, if you have thoughts. <laughs> Do you think this is the best Vikings team in 20 years? Do you think this team would have beat the 98 or 09 teams in a playoff game? 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500.